And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who loves a regatta. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And the Colonel and I are very happy today. We're back on the mainland, and uh, we couldn't go to, well, my favorite place, Milleronia, because something happened, something good and it has the word regatta in it, and I'm going to tell you all about it. And I am, uh, well, happy. It's beautiful here. It's warm here in Southern California. And uh, I've said this before, but I mean it every time. That music makes me feel great, and the Colonel, too. And uh, I want to thank, of course, the Paul Kuchulik Orchestra, and the Deborah Carrington Dancers, featuring boy tenor Brad Simpson, asking the musical question, If the cops raid your keg party and confiscate the beverages, is that considered a beer bust? Yes, Brad. Yes, it is. That's number one. Good question. But I have to be honest with you, I'm so out of it, I didn't know what a beer bust was. And uh, Colonel Jeff had to tell me. He knew what it was, and... <laughs> He's been through a couple of them, but, but I mean, I, I I think at my uh, college, I think, well, I think we drank as much beer as anyone. Never heard the phrase beer bust, though. And uh, Colonel Jeff told me that means a party that's just beer. And, uh, well, God knows we had plenty of those, but we never had that phrase in any in any case. And I'm thinking, you know, who who in the world raids a keg party anyway? And uh, the colonel has been to some of those. They did all sorts of things. They'd roll a keg out into the middle of a field, he said, and they'd all sit around the keg and uh, drink the beer. I know that part, but I mean that then the police would come and raid the party. And as he used to say, as Colonel said, well, they as soon as they saw the cops coming into the field there, they had to get the tapping system out. That went into the keg because he said in their places in there where they got kegs, they had to pay a deposit on the the equipment that goes into the keg to tap it. And I knew something about that, too. I was, uh, well, I was a social master for a couple of years there in my fraternity in western Massachusetts at Amherst College. But uh, I'll tell you what, I didn't know that either, and I'm... Sorry, he said, so they'd run, but first they they tried like mad to get that the tapper out of there so they could get their deposit back, which he said was something like $50, right? Well, they did. It's uh, well, yeah, Brad, it's still a great question, though, and, uh, and who? A beer bust. Didn't know, and now I know. And, uh, folks, I hope all of you and Brad and me and Jeff never get raided again. Whatever that means. And uh, by the way, this is a great day to give respect to those names I mentioned. Paul Krachulik, 
sent us a couple of bucks on PayPal with the message, do me a favor, you know, get a drink for the each of you and toast your dad and someone else's dad and yourselves. And I, I thought that was so sweet. He was uh, taken with the a uh, couple of episodes ago that I talked about my father and some of his stories and boy, he's got a lot more. You'll be hearing more of those again, but thank you, Paul. It means a lot. And, uh, no one has to raid that party for it to mean a lot. And, uh, Deborah Carrington just died. She is a great actress. She was a well-known actress and I wish her very well in her next life. She was, you might know her, and I know knew this, that from uh, Total Recall, the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and, uh, and a bunch of other great folks there. And uh, she was, uh, she played, she was a dwarf and played the uh, prostitute there in the, in the good part of town where all the rebels were. And she was, uh, she was blonde as well. And she had, uh, she was a stunt woman also. And she had great scenes in Total Recall. And, uh, she was firing and, uh, machine guns and, you know, holding all the bad guys back. And, uh, so Deborah, God bless you. You have a great next life where you've just begun. And, uh, well, it's nice to smile at you with everyone listening. And by PayPal. That's right. Uh, speaking of which, that uh, you know what? PayPal is a terrific group. I'm, I'm proud to say that every time I, I do that, uh, that, you know, if you, if you work with them, you feel like you're saving the world yourself. And who knows? Maybe you are. Uh, if you enjoy my show, and why wouldn't you? And you'd like to send a few bucks to help out. And why wouldn't you? You can help through PayPal. So what you do is you get to PayPal. You can get there anyway, boy. There's a, You can get through your computer, through your laptop, anything, your iPhone, your cell phone, whatever you have. You can get there all sorts of ways. But don't bother doing that. Let us take you there. What you do is go to our website. We have a banner there that says PayPal. Click that banner. We'll get you there. Click that banner and go take a nap on your lazy boy chair. And we'll get you to PayPal. And our website, of course, is uh, Larry Miller. Uh, just just forgot it for a second there. Oh, yeah. LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. That was great. That was a good one. Colonel Jeff makes these things, and they always make me smile. And that that was a good one. It sounded, frankly, like the cheer that goes up at Volcano Number 2 here on, well, when we're on Milleronia. Boy, people love that. They love those volcanoes. Not to go in themselves, actually, of course. But, uh, well, when uh, we sentence someone to do that, oh, the cheer goes up, and it sounds just like someone hit one way out of here. But in any case, click the banner for PayPal on our website. And you know what? Sure, you can. Do well, I, I'm not fond of phrases like donate this or pay what you like. And uh, I like to say, buy us some drinks. And Paul Kuchulik did just that. Thank you, pal. And uh, 
you know what? Every little bit helps us uh, keep the old leg lamp lit. And it means a lot. And thanks to everyone who has contributed already and is going to right now. But uh, boy, Paul, thanks again. I'm, uh, I'm glad you did with that nice sentiment about my dad. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. Boy, <laughs> I still love that one too. Just and bongo drums. Why? Who knows? I love that in old old cartoons where they—that's how the character would, the sound he would make when he'd get running, but not running right away. He'd kind of get his feet going and he'd go up in the air in cartoons. And I think they almost always had bongo drums with that. And then he, then he'd go, go like mad. But uh, this is a good one. This is a good joke. The colonel and I both uh, like this one. In uh, in a religious school, a Catholic school, there's a nun there, and everyone liked her very much, and she taught the fourth grade. And she said uh, one day to the class, you know what, let's find out just a little more about, about you, all you girls here, and just uh, what you are, what you want. And uh, she says, she points to one and just says, uh, well, what would you like to be when you grow up? And the girl says, I want to be a doctor. And the nun says, good, oh, well, that's awfully nice. You want to be a doctor? Wonderful. And uh, she points to another and says, what about you? What do you want to be? And uh, she says, uh, I want to be a teacher just like you. And uh, and that's very touching. And the nun says, oh, that's so sweet. And uh, and uh, and she points to a third one and said, and uh, what about you? What would you like to be? And uh, the girl says, I want to be a prostitute. And the, the, the nun just almost faints right away she grabs her chest and says, uh, ah ah that's you know that she's almost frantic with a reaction to that oh and she spins a little oh, oh and falls to the floor in the classroom there and is out cold and all the girls rush to her and just you know tap her face and kind of ta 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 sister sister and then and she Comes around, comes to, and and says to that to that third little girl, "Oh, oh, I'm I'm sorry. What 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 did you say you wanted to be again?" And the girl says, "A, a prostitute." And the nun says, "Oh, thank God! I thought you said you wanted to be a Protestant." <laughs> we got a big kick out of that, and I hope you did too. Once again, if you did. Please pass it along to someone you like, a friend or family member. And uh, we got a kick out of that. <laughs> That's something f- from where, from when, how far back, who knows? Those, those two groups headed it for each other, I guess, for quite a while. And uh, that brings me to my second favorite part of the show The Poetry Corner. I think that may be the reason that guy coughs so much, brother. Paul, you ought to send him a couple of bucks. Just tell him, just get a couple of drinks and sit down and take a nap. Relax. Uh, This is a wonderful poem by the great John Keats, who was an English romantic poet and lived from 1795 to 1821. 
Another one of those sad events of uh, sometimes those poets and writers in those days didn't live very long. And he was 26 years old when he died. And uh, he was also one of the main second generation romantic poets with Byron and Shelley. And uh, the name that's always in there is Keats. He was not generally popular during his life, but he became very popular and beloved by the end of the 19th century. This is called On the Sea by John Keats. It keeps eternal whisperings around desolate shores, and with its mighty swell gluts twice ten thousand caverns, till the spell of Hecate leaves them their old shadowy sound. Often tis in such gentle temper found that scarcely will the very smallest shell be moved for days from where it sometime fell. When last the winds of heaven were unbound, O ye who have your eyeballs vexed and tired, feast them upon the wideness of the sea. O ye whose ears are dinned with uproar rude, or fed too much with cloying melody, sit ye near some old cavern's mouth and brood, until ye start as if the sea-nymphs quired. Isn't that lovely? Boy, there's a reason. Well, Keats became so beloved. When these folks were good, a great poet is great, Boy, what they could do with words. And uh, I hope some of you can do that too. And I think maybe uh, Colonel Jeff and I can do that a little bit on our own here. We're certainly glad you're there to tell. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show. The Magic Movie Moment. a great movie, folks, and I saw this a couple of days ago, and I'd seen it many times, but oh, not for a long while. The Ten Commandments from 1956, directed by Cecil B. DeMille, starring, whoa, what a cast this had, starring Charlton Heston, Edward G. Robinson, Anne Baxter, Yul Brynner, John Derrick, Nina Foch, Vincent Price, Sir Cedric Hardwick. And, uh, oh, so many more. This, because of the uh, the crowds and the slaves and the Egyptians and everyone they had there, this was, this cast must have had two or three hundred people in it. But those folks were great. And John Derrick, by the way, who, uh, well, he was a great actor, and he also passed his name on to one of his wives, whose name was Bo. That's right. He married Bo Derrick. And I think that's worth pausing on there. When I yeah, I see that name, I want to say, boy, great part. He played Joshua in the movie. Great work. And by the way, great work marrying Bo Derek and making her Derek. But uh, in any case, it's a great movie, folks. And tells a story. Remember, this is made in 1956. This was before all effects were possible in movies, all visual effects and sound effects. Nothing really could happen. But they made this movie beautifully. And everything that occurred 
was done so well, well, considering, once again, it was more than 60 years ago. And that's why it was. Uh, it took me so so deeply to see again the parting of the Red Sea. And I, I, I hope you've seen this movie or know that's one of those events, uh, biblical, obviously, but uh, that we don't think about much. Well, did the Red Sea really part? Well, here's a quick answer. Yes, it did. And it didn't have any special effects, and they didn't have in this great movie. Oh, Lord, when Charlton Heston, as Moses, leads the people of Israel in their, well, they were let go from Egypt, but Yul Brenner playing the second pharaoh, Ramses the second, wow, he uh, he was not someone you wanted to cross, and he was not someone who took things lightly. And he followed the Jews into the desert where he finally got so mad and he took his whole army with them. And that's why at that point God said, I'm going to, you know, just go into the Red Sea. I'm going to part it for you. And when they parted it, the reason this scene also means so much to me, it looks just like you'd think it would. And uh, Colonel Jeff told me that how they did it, well, good Lord, they had a giant tank and they could part the water in the tank. And even just saying that, I don't even know what that means. I know what it looked like, which was very moving. And we all misuse the word awesome that is full of awe. But I'm full of awe when I see that sea part in this wonderful movie. And uh, see that, well, as Yul Brenner, what a great actor. They they were all wonderful. But when Yul Brenner leads his men to, to follow them, to follow the Israelites into the Red Sea, you want to say, even as bad a guy as he was, great actor, Yul Brenner. But as a bad a character as he played, you want to say, I'm pretty sure this is a mistake. You, I, I think you want to reconsider really fast. Maybe just turn around and go back to all the palaces and all the all the everything, all the women, everybody. Just go back there. But he doesn't, of course. And he goes into the Red Sea. And you and I and the Israelites see and watch as God says, in effect, to Ramses, okay, tell me what you think of this, and brings the waters back from their walls and uh, covers Ramses and all the Egyptian soldiers. And, uh, well, that, I'm sure that's what made most of them say, so why did we follow this guy again? Why did we have to do this? Folks, it's a great movie. Whew. And Edward G. Robinson was so great, too. And Baxter, what, what a cast. And Sir Cedric Hardwick as Seti who played uh, Ramsey's father, who was the first, well, the first pharaoh we see, and then he dies and passes everything, including the scepter, on to, well, Yul Brynner, and says, okay, go ahead. The Parting of the Red Sea in a great movie, The Ten Commandments. Please see it. If you haven't, oh, see it, folks. You'll. It's also told in such a great style where they didn't need to make the bottom of the Red Sea, mud, and have flapping fish around on it. It 
it just doesn't need that for me. And just to see them walk across it and then to be followed by the uh, Ramses and the Egyptians. Wow. Wow and yikes. And uh, you know what? That's There are certain things you do in water that are, well, well, not necessarily as awesome as the parting of the Red Sea, but very moving. I mentioned regatta before, and the reason that uh, we're on the mainland now and not in Milleronia is that our second son was in a regatta a few days ago on the weekend, and uh, he... He's a sculler on the crew team at his college, at his university. And they've gone all sorts of places, too. They they go to Kansas, and they drive to these places. He and his team had, had a crew bus, and the coaches with everybody, and they, they drove, which is about a 16-hour drive, to get to. They went to Long Beach, first of all, and... Uh, Oh, it was great. And I picked him up and we saw him just, uh, and that our plan was uh, to get up. He could uh, get back that night, Friday night, last Friday night. And then uh, my wife and I were going to get up early and go see the the crew match. And it was terrific. It's, it's something, the word, that sport needs a word like regatta to me. Yes, it has a royal feeling to it. And I guess you could say a higher class feeling to it. It's not that everyone is walking around like the uh, polo scene in Pretty Woman, you know, and uh, with all the terrific scene that was and a great movie. They had some really great actors in it, like, well, me. And you know what, though? It's uh, it's not that. And the women in the those dresses and hats and men in the, the white pants, white shoes and a Sport coat. I keep wanting to say sport coat, but it's not that. You can see that sport jacket and the ties they wore and a straw hat or something like that. And it looks, you'd say to yourself, well, this must be some kind of polo match. Or, uh, or, uh, but nothing is quite like a crew regatta. This was down in Southern California at Marina del Rey. And when uh, my wife and I drove there tomorrow, uh, the next day, you know, there was one thing that was a, a bit uh, annoying, by the way, and I have to say this: there are bikers, bike riders, on uh, their bicycles that go down right on next to the water there every week, and that's fine. That's great. It's it's a it's a wonderful thing to do, in fact. And uh, but a lot of them have no manners because they put up signs. The UCLA folks who are running all this put up signs just about well fifty, sixty feet apart that said, you know, stop here, get off your bikes, and just walk them this next 50 feet because there's an event today, right now. It's a regatta. It's crew races. And, you know, there are kids and parents and people from the schools, and that's not, they're almost getting wiped out. And I, I, when I say wiped out, I mean killed. There were a bunch of folks on the bikes and the bicycles, I don't know if you can use an informal word like bike, but I'm telling you, they didn't stop. They didn't get off. A few did, but very few. And I don't think they cared. 
And uh, that's been supported by everyone else who was there that, uh, no, they just don't care. And uh, they rode by, not at top speed, but riding at 10, 15 miles an hour. And get off the bike for 50 feet. And I'm, yeah, if that sounds a little a little tough, tough. Get off the bikes. And I mean, they would come through and there are kids right there. And I mean, infants right there. And they're adults who have to grab a kid and kind of do a quick jog off the path that's right near the water. It's right next to the water. It's right next to where all the scullers load their boats into the water. And boy, they were just great. Oh, they were wonderful to watch. And yes, it's because one of my sons was there. But he was great. And I'm I'm telling you that uh, he was in two races. Oh, boy. His uh, school won one race, a big uh, big title in the in varsity. And uh, our, son, uh, our son's crew team, uh, which was the eight-man team, and uh, they didn't win anything, but... Uh, Boy, they were great. And to watch and to watch our son, really, you know, they do that stroke and then they, you turn your wrists and you pull it back the other way so it cuts through the air. They were really, really good. And uh, it's true that, as my wife pointed out, sure, you're only seeing them for 1.7 seconds. You know, I mean, wherever you decide to stand, that's they go by and there are four boats in a, in a row next to each other. And... Uh, Boy, oh boy. And by the way, in Long Beach, where they first drove to him, where they were staying, they practiced on the same crew water that the American team used and for the Olympics in 1932. And that was really something, folks, because they, uh, you know, our son was really proud of that and felt the connection. Well, that may not sound like much, but it was to us, and it was to him. And these crew folks, uh, men's teams and women's teams, and uh, they're in really good shape. I mean, like, frighteningly good shape. I mean, like, Mr. Universe shape, you know, that the guys, you see them carrying the boats, and you look at them and say, good Lord. And I mean, they're all six two to six six, and they're all much better than just you know, say Mister Universe, which well, those guys are great with their, all the muscles. But these guys, you can see, are tough as nails, and whew, they worked out. And uh, and the women, by the way, the women's teams just looked well, great. I mean, let's be honest. I was telling Colonel Jeff, there were some of those women. A lot of them, where you want to say, "God bless you, good for you." I mean, you you just they have just extraordinarily good worked out bodies, and I'll leave it right there. I mean, there's nothing I didn't have. You know, when I saw the guys, I could say, "Well, all right, I guess they work hard." When I saw the women, I thought, "Well, all read us, all write us," and uh, but you know, it was really, really. Something. A little quick uh, observation. They had nothing to eat or drink for their fans and parents. And I mean, no 
big tubs of water or no bottles of water. Just, you know, and you're there for, well, a while, three hours or so or more, four hours. And, well, you could use a bottle of water and all the teams, all the uh, folks on each team from each school uh, had tables with, well, water and Gatorade or things like that and bananas and peanut butters and you could, you know, make a quick, you know, slap up a peanut butter sandwich. Well, you know, the parents wouldn't mind one of those, I'm just saying. And my wife had to stop me. She said, where are you going? I said, I just wanted to get some water, a cup of water. And she thought, she looked at me like a traitor. She said, you can't take that. That's that's for the boys. Oh, all right. Okay. I didn't. Well, yeah. Okay. 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 And, uh, and uh, you know, she almost got, parents almost get hit. They move. You got to be, well, careful. You got to watch what you're doing because they move those boats on to load them in the water. And there, you know, the coaches and the, uh, the coxswains are, you know, all yelling, heads up, heads up. And anyone who's not an idiot <laughs> brings their heads up and gets out of the way because they move those things in. They're not jogging with them, but you got to take it easy. And uh made me think, you know, my parents used to come see me play baseball and uh, everyone used to go to the football games and in, in, in that time, in my time in high school. And uh I asked the colonel and he said he agreed too. We didn't have anything... Same sort of thing, just regular sports, you know, baseball, football, soccer, and things like that. But we didn't have anything as, well, as cool as crew. And uh, it meant a lot to me and my wife. And uh, how tough are they, by the way? How tough are these crew guys? Our son said he wanted to meet the uh, toughest guy on their squad. And their nickname for him was Jack Dempsey. And uh, do, you, do you need anything more than that to know to answer the question? How tough are they? That's how tough. And they're charming and with big smiles, just the finest fellas in the world. And uh, the same with the women, I think. But I know they just look great. And uh, folks, this is this is something good to do and something good to know. It means a lot to me and my wife, and it means a lot to our son. And they'll be going to a lot more regattas. And that word is perfect for this. Not match, not competition, not game, not rally. Regatta. And one of these days, if they if they say, you know what? Dress up for this one. Well, we will. My wife can get one of those pretty woman hats and a pretty woman dress. And I can, well, get a Richard Gere outfit, too. And not because I was in it, but because I want to show our son and his coaches and his team and everyone else that we know what the word regatta means. And you know it too. We both do, folks. We know that Homer is Homer and Pluto is a planet. So remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's something to remember on or off the water. Be well and we'll see you here next time. <laughs>